What's up everybody, welcome back to Rebranding Safety, we're talking about the moral of the story, something that maybe we've kind of lost touch with. We're also going to give a little bit of an insight of what's coming up soon on the podcast. Let's get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We are in a pressured regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in London. Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. And your host, James McPherson. Okay then, welcome back to Rebranding Safety everybody. Rebranding Safety is the YouTube channel and podcast making health and safety simple to help you save lives and save money. It's just like Ron Seal, it does what it says on the tin. So today we're talking moral of the story. What do I mean by the moral of the story? For me what that means is it's like, remember when you were in school and everything you used to read or watch, the teacher would always be like, so what's the moral of the story? You would try and work out what Shakespeare meant by the blood on their hands or they can't wash the blood off. Everything was like symbolism and everything had a meaning behind it. I think we still have that stuff. And basically, I kind of call it like learning without learning if that makes sense so or learning without being taught or learning without having a lesson it's kind of like the stuff we watch every day on Netflix you know we have our relaxed time when we sit down and we watch Game of Thrones or or whatever I think there's a message a moral in the story that we can all learn from in these stories and then more so within the health and safety industry or you know delivering health and safety creating safety creating well-being in your business for me is all about well a couple of simple things but leadership is probably one of the most important things and I think some of the best examples of leadership we see on TV in the shows that we watch so I was just going to kind of pick off a few of mine we could we could talk about Jon Snow in Game of Thrones and how much of a how much of a leader he is and how you know he kind of changed the way that he kind of you know brought all these different cultures together you know you've got the people from beyond the wall whatever they're called what were they called what were they called the wildlings you've got the wildlings joining with the north and then you've got the north kind of joining with the south and everywhere else and hashtag spoiler alert um and it all goes to shit anyway but i thought when we really look at him as a character he's like the most stereotypical leader that you can get he he literally is like cut him in half and he is pure leadership you know we can take some of those traits away you know those kind of open honest kind of conversations and mindsets and morals that he has what if we brought them into business you know we kind of we maybe think about leadership being reserved for military and games and stuff like that but it's, it, if we get it in business, you look at some of the best best businesses out there. They're just pure thoroughbred, oh, excuse me, thoroughbred leaders, and and health and safety just desperately needs this. Yes, there are you know big leaders in health and safety. One hundred percent, there are. But 
if you can understand that when you're running a business, that if you can just nail down leadership, like good, proper, thought about leadership, then actually health and safety will follow. And that's just kind of one thing that I kind of, I do a lot. Is just kind of watch stuff and and I think what is this show trying to tell me? How can I use what it's trying to tell me in my life, in in you know, in my work, in rebranding safety, in my day to day jobs? You know, how can I learn from everything that I'm doing? Um, and it's easy to learn from stuff that is you're listening to a podcast that is potentially therefore you're learning. For example, if you went to watch uh, a listen, sorry, to how to start a business podcast, that would be a learning process. But this is more so taking something from what we're doing in our relaxing time or relaxing time or relaxing, relaxing time. So some other examples of, of that, you know, you look at classic stuff, you know, I put a post on LinkedIn about leadership and safety. And when you talk about like Jungle Book, where, you know, the strength of the pack is the no, what is it? The strength of the pack is a wolf and the strength of the wolf is a pack. You know, they're talking about being together as a team and, and that kind of pack mentality that would be amazing to have in a business that you all are as strong as your weakest link. Um, and that maybe we could learn so much in safety around that. The health and safety is not about bureaucracy. It's not about paperwork. It's not about policies and procedures. They are the tools that we use but it's not how you build a house do you know what I mean when you build a house no you don't go oh it's built with hammers and nails you know you don't say oh it's put together with bricks and and cement you say that's a house and that's that's but when we talk about health and safety we we say oh health and safety is risk assessments health and safety is this it's not health and safety just needs to be just the business it's not even a, a thing we need to get to a position where health and safety is not an add-on but anyway moving on so you're kind of thinking of like those two examples you know and in your classic kind of disney's you've got loads and loads of leaders but like what else could we learn like from other stuff that we watch and i thought it's something i found really interesting when i watched it the first time and i was like hmm i really like that and I would probably use that in business if I ever started a business. And that was in World War Z. If you haven't watched World War Z, it's basically a zombie film um, with Brad Pitt and it is awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, it's not a film review. I was going to give you my opinion of the film. But, you know, I just genuinely think it is a very good film. Um, the book's just as good. But in there, they talk about the 13th man. So basically, spoiler alert... Um, there is a country in the world that is dealing with the zombie apocalypse better than anyone else. So Brad Pitt goes there to investigate it. It is Brad Pitt, isn't it? Anyway, I think it's Brad Pitt. Anyway, the lead investigator, which I hope is Brad Pitt, goes there and investigates it and, and says, how are you so prepared? How did you know this was coming? And he said, we didn't know it was coming. It caught us off guard like everyone else. We heard rumours, blah, blah, blah. And we, when we discussed it, we have a policy of having a 13th man. Now, the 13th man has a duty to plan against the decision that was made in the group. So let's say, for example, if there was a majority um, for ignoring the zombie apocalypse the 13th the, ugh, get my words out the 13th man must plan for the other so they all agreed that there wasn't a zombie apocalypse a 13th man must plan 
for there is a zombie apocalypse. So that person did. And when it happened, they were fully prepared. Now I thought, wow, what if you had a board of directors, for example, who they were talking, I don't know, let's say hypothetically they were like, right, we sell, we build and sell blocks of flats. What if one day there was one to have a catastrophic fire? Um, and they're all like, yeah, but it won't happen. The risk is this low, blah, blah, blah. If we had a 13th man on that board, they would maybe plan for a, thir for a catastrophic fire. What if the council that owned Grenfell said, well, what if one of our blocks of flats just massively set alight and we had a massive catastrophic fire? Do we need to plan for that and make sure that that plan works? The answer is yes, we do. But let's say... Mm, let's not test it, blah, 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 we're okay, it's fine, we've got this policy in place, we've got loads of bureaucracy in place, we've got loads of procedures and risk assessments in place, it's fine, and then the 13th man job was to assume that it wasn't fine and test it, would the response have been any better? We don't know, we can't answer that question, but I just thought, what an interesting policy to put in place, you know, that kind of, your, your purpose in this room is to play devil's advocate, um, is to plan for whatever we agree, plan for the opposite of whatever we agree to. And I thought, wow, what an interesting and also very powerful contingency for any business. It's kind of similar to, um, I believe it's Google that use uh, if the cap fits uh, process. So if you haven't ever played this, it's kind of a game used in training quite a lot or in team building. Um, but apparently, I've read somewhere, and I'm sure it's Google, it might be Amazon, but one of the big kind of forward-thinking internet companies, whatever, um, whenever they come up with a new idea, they go into the room and everyone's got a cap in front of them, and the cap will basically say, devil's advocate, positive, negative, um, I don't know, forward-thinking, um, whatever it gives you a personality it gives you a mindset so if you wear the positive cap everything in that room that you're discussing about you have to look at it from a positive point of view and you're only allowed to have positive conversation positive points to say blah 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 when the negative person whoever that is that wears a negative cap would have to come up with negative stuff the devil's advocate would just be there to play devil's advocate to everybody and so that goes on around the table everyone has different caps and that's called if the cap fits now great game to take away if you want to do some kind of some kind of building but i think if you're, if you're uh, team building, sorry, but I think if you're going to come up with a new idea, then why not assign a 13th man? Why not assign a 13th man to every board meeting? Why not assign a 13th man when talking about, I don't know, high risk stuff or whatever? But why not play if the cap fits when thinking about every single idea, uh, every single new idea, every project, whatever? Um I think back to a long time ago where I was in a meeting and we was asking a question basically, should we remove this certain thing from this certain project? And the, the answer was, yes, we should based on this survey, blah, blah, blah. Now, in my opinion, that was wrong and it turned out to, to be completely wrong, um, that we shouldn't have removed that from the work stream. And, and I just think, oh, if we had that kind of, if the cap fits purpose, or someone was in there just to play devil's advocate, or even better, we did have that 13th man to plan 
for us not removing it, would we have been in a better position? Is that even doable? How can a business run two different ways? You know, how can you pay somebody to go and plan for this when the, everything's telling you not to waste money on that? It's, it's a difficult proposition, and I'm not saying we would do it all tomorrow, but I do genuinely think there is something in it that we can take away. Um, and I genuinely think that we can learn so much from these little ideas that we can pick out of films and stories. You know, essentially they're, it may be fictional stories, but, you know, some of them are based on real-life scenarios and some of them are based on potential real-life scenarios that somebody made up and written a book. But the point is that somebody thought of them it doesn't mean they're not a bad. It doesn't mean they're not a good idea because they're in a fictional story or not something that we can take away into the factional world, into the factional world, is factional into the real world. Um, so yeah, that was just an interesting one, and that's something I got from World War Z. So the moral of the story for me was: can we take the Thirteenth Man into real world? So let's move on then. What's next? So I watch. I have watched Suits. So, those of you who don't know, Suits is basically a TV show, an American-based sitcom TV show, whatever, that basically follows a law firm. Now, it's very easy watching, it's not too crazy, but you could kind of put it very close to How to Get Away with Murder, which is exactly the same, but based on on murder, basically, and and a lot more sinister than, than Suits. However both law-based films now what did this show me well when you watch these court cases that these guys uh these groups are basically doing and you think well they've they've lost you know they've got them dead to rights they're not going to get out of this most of the conversations they have are never about winning the case or proving right or wrong it's always about like discrediting the witness and finding holds in the procedure or finding mistakes based on procedure. Oh, excuse me. I find that really interesting when we think about it from a criminal and civil law point of view of business. Well, I think, how would I discredit a business if I was a lawyer from for some kind of health and safety industry? Well, I would look at our policies and our procedures and the bureaucracy that I've mentioned earlier on in the podcast when I think how many of us out there have policies and procedures that we know we are not following. So my first job as a lawyer or as a solicitor, whatever, would be to, I don't even, do we call it subpoena in, in England? I don't know, but let's assume we do. I would subpoena the business for all of their policies and procedures related to the incident. I would get them over to me, and then my job would then be to find out if you don't follow those procedures. Regardless of whether that procedure is related to the incident or not, I would use it against you because you don't follow it. So my point would be, well, Your Honour, McPherson and co. don't even opt run their own procedure and James is on the stand for example and has just told us that they don't follow their own procedure they don't even know when their procedures were written they obviously have no grasp on the running of their own business blah 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 they would discredit me I'm on the stand I'm the business they would discredit me and how I run my business that changes the game so I think all these kind of pieces of the paper, what they did for me when, they, when I was watching this and seeing, and I can't remember what specific story it was, but basically they just tore this court case apart based on one single piece of paper. Um, and when I look at it and I think, well, how many pieces of the paper do we have? 
that say that we do something one way, but actually our full well know that we do it another way, well, probably a hell of a lot. Um, and think, you know, what these pieces of paper actually are is gold dust to the opposition. Now, some could say, well, actually, that shouldn't be your focus because if they're there for a, a reason, then but they're not doing what they say or we're not doing what they say, then the problem is that we're not um, controlling the risk or the hazard or whatever, and it causes a problem, and that's that's the way we should focus on it. You know, change it to a positive tone as to a negative tone. Granted, 100%, I agree with you. However, if we were trying to sell it to someone else and we was to say, well, here, Your Honour, McPherson Company have done a personal emergency evacuation plan for my client and acknowledged that my client cannot get out of the building and they've taken no further steps to change that peep to get them out of the building your honor it was foreseeable it was recorded it was acknowledged and it was not dealt with it's a blatant breach in their duty maybe we could sell that to our leaders a little bit better by doing that i don't know i'm all for turning it around to a positive way but i'm also all for getting people on board if we can prick people's ears up by making them listen by that like that Give them an example. You can show them a short clip from Suits, for example, or something like that. If that pricks their ears up and then you start listening and then you've got an in, you know, then your door's open to be able to go in and start talking about the positive message that you want to do, you know, the potential of health and safety of how we can actually do so much better. I'm up for that. I'm okay with that. But that was something I learned from how to get away with murder and Suits. I thought that was really interesting. Okay, so now I want to talk about the series I'm currently watching, um, which is Designated Survivor. Now, I've been, I think I'm like season two now, which to be fair should be like season 17 because there's like 50 episodes per season. But I'm watching that and as I was thinking about this podcast and I was thinking about the moral of the story and I was thinking about... I've got a story about the 13th man, I've got something I can talk about that, I've got something I can talk about with Jon Snow and leadership and stuff like that, and I've got some other bits and suits and how to get away with murder, you know, that was an interesting point of view, but I was like, there's got to be something in this designated survivor, it's got so many, so many kind of messages and morals that are coming out of it, they're all based around leadership, 100%, you know, it's, it's really worrying when the current state of, of England and American politics um, is so bad that you would rather vote for a fictional character than you would an actual party in your government. Um, but, you know, hashtag Tom Kirkman as actual president and prime minister. Um, I would vote for that. That's not the moral of the story, though, I don't think. What I've kind of picked up from it... Well, to be honest, I was struggling. I thought, I don't want to talk about leadership as much as Tom Kirkman, the character. But basically, if you don't know Designated Survivor, um, it's not really a spoiler alert, but basically, Designated Survivor is the person that's left 
outside of government when both Congress and all of government, basically the whole government, are together in one place um, for this big thing. I can't remember what they call it, but they leave a designated survivor behind um, in case everyone is killed and in some kind of crazy terrorist attack well that happens and tom kirkman ends up becoming this this prime min- this uh, prime minister this president that nobody would have ever voted for but actually it turns out it's the exact prime minister uh, uh, the exact president that they needed um and he's kind of you know changing world to be to be to be honest a much better place but he is like the epitome of modern day leadership in real world. Like, you know, massively disagreeing with someone, trying to find common ground, you know, approaching a conversation that he knows is going to be awkward, being brave and broaching that conversation and to then get screwed over by that same person to then happily stand in front of the camera and, and pretend like they were best mates um, and, and compromise and words of inspiration and hope and just the way he speaks like you kind of want to vote for this kind of fictional character is so well written that i could sit and talk about leadership about him forever and i thought yeah but that's that i feel like that's not the message i want to talk about this this show but i couldn't think about what it was until the man himself tom kirkman who is played by the guy out of 24 walking down the white house corridors and he was and he said one phrase perception is everything and i was like that's it that's it that is exactly what this show is trying to tell me perception is everything now what does that mean in that show well it means that it doesn't matter all the good that he did the one bad thing or one uh, this kind of show was talking this this program this oh, what's the word i'm looking for this episode here we go this one episode, basically, he had used, he had referred to the American people as suckers. That was then taken out of context and used against him, and it changed his percep- the perception of him. Um, the American people were then looking at him with a different perception, um, or sorry, the American people were perceiving him differently. There we go. Get my sentences out. So when I look at that, when I look at that, when I hear that, and I think that is exactly what it's trying to tell me. And then I think about the perception of health and safety at the moment. What is the perception of health and safety? Well, the perception is bureaucracy, isn't it? I've said it time and time again. I said it at the beginning of this podcast, and I will say it time and time again in the future until we fix it. The perception of health and safety is hindering health and safety itself. The perception of you, the health and safety practitioner, or you, the business owner, or whoever you are listening, is everything. How you are perceived is everything. Now, I remember a not so long ago, as a result of this podcast, a safety professional, a, a new safety professional, approached me for a bit of advice. And I said, if my one piece of advice would be, If you're going to implement something, never be over the top. Because the one time you go over the top, that breaks the trust. I, as a business owner, for example, would trust you to come to me with reasonable and practical steps. I don't want you to come to me with this new idea that's going to cost millions of pounds that will fix this very, very low risk thing in our business. I don't want you to do that. So the second you do do that breaks my trust. 
Now, that's very difficult and hard advice for somebody in the safety world to do because you are in a world that you're constantly kind of evaluating risk and assessing risk in your head. And it's very difficult to kind of really make a decision as to what is high and what is low. You know, if you'd have asked me and any of my colleagues who work in fire safety at the moment, if cladding was a problem, nobody knew about cladding. For three years ago, I can't think how, it was two years till Grenfell, wasn't it? So, since Grenfell, sorry. So, three years ago, no one knew about cladding. No one was talking about cladding. So, you know, granted, it's very difficult to make decisions, but really ask yourself, is this over the top or not? Because perception is everything. If you're perceived as a person that fits that health and safety gone mad bill or perception that we're currently in, You'll never lose it because we as an industry can't lose it and we have to do and we do that one by one. So if you're a health and safety professional listening to this, it's on you, you know, just as a call to action for all of us to really change the perception. Let's change the narrative to positive from negative. Let's change the perception of what we do as not being health and safety, as being problem solvers, you know, because if you're any good at health and safety, you'll be a damn damn good problem solver that is what we do we get given a problem and we have to find a way around it to which the business can continue to do their job yet still have no risk or there be little risk or we've mitigated the risk or we've controlled the risk whatever but still to be able to do what they need to do now for some of us that's really difficult that might be inherently difficult you imagine working for a journalist for example um, or journalism built business where you're sending somebody to a known war zone how do you mitigate those risks um it's it's a just about perception of health and safety is just ruining us it's like taking our legs from underneath us it really does stifle any kind of innovation or any kind of movement forward it it, we're never going to get off this plateau of whatever it is like 132 average deaths a year in the uk like or whatever it is we're never going to get off that plateau because we still have this perception and we still exacerbate this perception on a daily basis. You know, there are some serious risks out there in some of the stuff we do, but maybe we could start being a bit okay with the lower risk, having a bit more of a risk appetite, you know, cuts, bruises, slips and trips. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, do they have to take Do they have to take a beating so that we can start dealing with a higher risk? I'm not saying that's the way to go. I'm saying... Let's ask ourselves a question. You know, if, if if you can be the person in a room to ask some crazy questions like, do we really want to even bother spending money on that risk when we could spend money on this risk? Somebody be like, are you telling me that slips is not a risk? No, I'm not. I'm just asking a question. You know, slips in some environment are just unbelievably high risk. Some of them are massive problems for massive businesses from a financial point of view. You know, if you need to get a kind of uh, bit of context around that you can go and listen to the first interview we did on this podcast with christian harris or you can follow him on linkedin and he'll tell you how much of a big problem slips is so it is something we should manage right maybe for one business it is but for another business it's not for another business it's falls from height for another business it's chemical explosions for another business it's explosive atmospheres for another business it's cladding on the building you know risk is proportionate and perception is everything so 
that's perception of the industry, but what about the perception of the risk? Now, I was hoping this was going to be a short podcast, but actually talking and thinking about perception as I go, we're at 27 minutes in and I could talk for another hour. I'm not going to, but I could. You know, when we talk about perception of risk, it's something that we, we know about. We talk about quite a lot. We, you know, we acknowledge that we don't do risk assessments on our own. We don't do risk assessments sitting in a, in a room, blah, 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 blah. We involve loads of different people from different areas of the business because of their perception of risk. So do you deal with that in your business? Who's doing your risk assessment? I used to like quite like getting somebody from an office, say like customer service role, that doesn't really come into the, the, the factory ever, getting them to come and help us on the risk assessment. And they'd be like, why? It doesn't make any sense. You didn't know anything about this role. And we're like, exactly. So she's got a really, really high perception of risk of these massive pieces of machine with these big swinging blades and all this. You know, first time I come here, I was scared shitless of this stuff. Let's get someone who's scared shitless of it. Start throwing some crazy questions at us. But, but we'll never get anywhere when we might get somewhere so much better. We, that person might come up with an amazing idea. We never know. So perception is something for me that is absolutely huge. And the only way you deal with perception is by getting a different one. And I think that's something we can do all the time. You know, we can get perception after perception after perception into a team to do how we do things. We can give all of those people caps that fits, you know. We could give all of those people jobs to do specifically in an idea. We could give all of them perceptions. We could give one of them a job to completely disagree with us or plan against what we agreed to do. There is so much that we can learn from and there is so much that we can do from the things we do in our spare time. If you think about something else, for example, so you'll maybe listen to this being like, this is all well and good, James, but blah, blah, blah. I don't watch Netflix and I'm not going to go to work and show people clips of suits. That's fine. But if you don't know how to do a risk assessment and you play golf, for example, ask me why answer me why everyone in that business is not everyone in that golf course is not wearing hard hats because if i said to you let's not wear a hard hat on a construction site it would be like blasphemy you would be like no we must wear a hard hat on a construction site because anything could fall off that scaffold and come over here six meters away 60 meters away god knows whatever and hit me in the head you have people working on frigging roofs, for God's sake. Nothing above their head other than birds and frigging planes. And they're wearing frigging hard hats. And it's like, why are they wearing a hard hat? But yet, you, most of these people, or even our corporate leaders, or even health and safety professionals making these decisions, probably play golf at a weekend with projectiles being hit by a metal stick flying through the air with no means of protection on anyone's friggin' head. And some golf courses are so tightly packed and so busy that it's surely inevitable that somebody's going to get hit on the head. And then you'd be like, well, come on, what's the likelihood? Okay, fair enough. So why do, why do cricket players wear, wear helmets on their head? Well, the fielders don't. Exactly. Why is that? It's a risk assessment. Isn't it? What's the likelihood of that really small ball hitting your head? What's the severity? Mm, I don't know. I've never been hit. I think it could be quite bad. It could be uh, just okay. Um, 
we deal with it with our etiquette, with the way we the way we play golf. We deal with it by shouting four and shouting right or left or wherever the ball's going, you know. And then we think about what's the likelihood of that ball going on that specific flight and the same crossing path with you at the same time. It's a pure definition of a risk assessment. Cricket batsmen wear helmets and protection. Why? Because somebody is having a ball thrown at them. But the fielders don't. Why? Because they're purposely trying to catch the ball and they're trained, competent persons in how to field that ball. So I think maybe when we're talking about wearing a hard hat on a construction site, we can open our perceptions and start looking at other things and start thinking about, there is there a better way to do this? Do we really need to wear a high-vis or a hard hat? Or do we really need to have this piece of paper? Or does this piece of paper actually provide us any value? Can we do things differently in the board? Are there different ways for the business to do things? Can we have a 13th man? But can we change the perception of health and safety? I don't know. That's a challenge for all of us, I think. And it's one challenge that I think this podcast and our YouTube channel hopefully is trying to do. And hopefully you all agree with that. It's been a bit of a strange podcast. I did say I was going to say what's coming up. So I will briefly do that. Um, I've been toying with this idea for a long time, talking about you know how I watch stuff and things about stuff all the time basically because I'm sad and I hope you found that useful I hope that has kind of opened your eyes to, to maybe something you're watching if it has drop us a message on Twitter or Facebook or if you're watching on YouTube or I'm not going to put this on YouTube actually because my camera's down so um, just drop us a message at rebranded safety uh, come find us on Facebook rebranded safety as well so Let's talk about what's coming up just quickly. So we have got a CDM expert coming on the podcast, has been on the podcast before. I shall leave you to work that one out. It was a very, very popular podcast before another person came along and tore that apart. It was the most popular podcast on this podcast. So that person's coming back and we're going to talk all about CDM. We've got another guest that's not been on, going to talk about current compliance culture that we've got in the UK what else have we got on working on somebody who is potentially one of the most well voted as the most influential person so we're in conversation with that person trying to get them on they're up for it just getting time in people's diary we're all busy what else have we got I'm going to continue doing the IOSH magazine and IF IFE magazine kind of article review when interesting ones come up I find it's really quite an interesting way to kind of do the podcast add some content I really like it gives me a drive to read the magazines as well so that's a quick snapshot of what's coming up I hope you've enjoyed this very shoot from the hip podcast I shall see you hear from you talk to you next week in the podcast this was rebranding safety Don't forget to click like and subscribe. Don't forget to give us a rate and review on iTunes if you enjoyed this. Share the podcast because you know it's good, right? It is good. So, you know, I know you're still embarrassed about Health and Safety Podcast, but come on, it's it's, it's rebranding health and safety. If you like it, give it a share. Hit us up on all the social medias. You know where we are. I shall see you in the next podcast, guys. Safe. Safe.